Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. I'm going to start um, my message today with a couple of history questions. A couple of history questions. Now, what I'm going to share today, I actually shared in Malaga two weeks ago, um, but it was stemmed from a dream that the Lord gave me, and it messed up my plans for what I was going to preach in the 21 days fasting and prayer. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Let's start off with a history lesson, shall we? Okay. Um, There was a man, a famous short man, that was a warrior... Hang on, don't put your hand up yet. I haven't asked the question. <laughs> you know where I'm going though, don't you? I'm going to show you his picture. Who can tell me who this guy here is? Who's this guy up here? Jeez, he could barely get up on that horse. He probably needed a little ladder to get up there. That was Napoleon, wasn't it? Napoleon who? Napoleon Dynamite, that's right. Napoleon, <laughs> Napoleon Bonafide. Napoleon Bon Appetit, that's right, that's him. Now, Napoleon Bonaparte uh, was actually defeated by the Duke of... Oh, you guys are really good. Does anyone know what the Duke of Wellington's nickname was? The Iron Duke. That was the Iron Duke. The Iron Duke, or the Duke of Wellington, defeated Napoleon Bonaparte at the Battle of... Oh, my word! Gee, they make them real smart out here in Ellenbrook, don't they? Does anyone know what year, roughly, the Battle of Waterloo was? 18... What? 15. Who said that? Did someone say 1815? Bill Durham, you got it right. It was 1815, the Battle of Waterloo. Fair income, people. You should give yourselves a round of applause. That is very good. The reason, the reason why I wanted to uh, uh, mention those two in particular is because um, though Napoleon Bonaparte and uh, the Duke of Wellington, whose name was Arthur Wellesley, um, Arthur Wellesley had a hatred for um, Napoleon Bonaparte, but he also had an incredible respect for the presence that he carried on the field. In fact, after the battles, uh, there was, in some memoirs uh, that the Duke of Wellington had written, he had wrote to a colleague this quote. He said, I used to say of Napoleon that his presence on the field made the difference of 40,000 additional men. 40,000 additional men. Arthur Wellesley considered the very presence of Napoleon on the field to be worth 40,000 additional men. Imagine that, such a man of such small stature carrying such an impact and an influence. Um, Back in the days of dinosaurs, I used to play, play a bit of football. And I remember when I played football that at moments that the captain of our footy team Aaron Floyd 
when he came onto the ground from a rest on the bench, as soon as he got back on the ground, our, 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 our spirits tended to soar a little bit. We just felt a little bit more confident. He didn't have to necessarily do anything at that point. Just him being on the field made a difference. It boosted morale. Kind of like the same thing. Maybe not worth 40,000 additional players, but you get my drift here. I remember going to the football and you would see certain players come on the footy field and the crowd would roar. Remember back in the days of Benny Cousins when he could play well? <laughs> and the, <laughs> He does other things now. <laughs> when he would, as, as a captain of the West Coast... Eagles get back on the field, the team would surge as well. How about in the NBA, when uh, any NBA supporters here, you like watching the NBA, and you would, see, um, you would see people like Kobe Bryant get back off the bench, and all of a sudden, the team would surge. Just his very presence would impact. Or how about Michael Jordan? Now, that was, that was some time ago. Michael Jordan, everyone would love to see Michael Jordan, would love to play with Michael Jordan, would love to play against Michael Jordan because the very presence would change everything. You see where I'm going with this? A couple of weeks ago as I was preparing, um, I had my message pretty much ready to go. I would ready to go from Matthew chapter 17, Mark chapter 9. But during the night, I had a bit of a, a, a wrestling moment with the Lord, and I believe that the Lord spoke to me about what to share. And I heard this, to share His presence changes everything. It was like I was walking with the Lord, and He was saying to my spirit, say, His presence changes everything. And he proceeded in that moment to give me three very simple points, which I'll come to in a little, little while. And in that moment, this is why I felt uncomfortable. I said, but Lord, that's not, that's, that's not what I, I, I had previously thought that I would be sharing. And that feels as though it's a little... And I felt like the Lord Jesus say, yes, it is. For whatever reason, I feel that sometimes we overlook the simple things in life, but it's often the simple things that are the best and even the most important. And we can complicate our walk with Christ. But I wonder if the Lord is wanting to remind us to have a simple but rich faith, a deep faith, like little children. His presence changes everything. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with us just to one verse. I'm going to refer to a couple of times. It's going to be on the screens if you don't have it. Psalm 105 and verse 4. This is what it says. If you haven't got it underlined, feel free to do that. It says, seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually seek the lord and his strength seek his presence continually you'll see this uh, this word presence pop up throughout the bible and particularly in the hebrew writings in the hebraic what it means is when it says seek his presence it means to seek his face not just his hand not just what he does but who he is to enjoy him to be attentive to him to appreciate him and so when the psalmist says to seek his presence presence continually the psalmist is encouraging us 
to seek his face, pursue his face, pursue who he is, not just what he does. Now, in a couple of senses, we, uh, we can't escape his presence. God is everywhere, right? In, in a sense, he is omnipresent. He is all around the place. We can see um, clearly in the Bible, in Psalm 139 and around verse 7, uh, David writes, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. He says, if I make my bed and shield, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, still there your hand will lead me and your right hand will hold me. Even David understood that everywhere God is. So in a sense, as his children, we also know that he's there. I will never leave you or forsake you. So God is everywhere in that sense. But do you know, we're also still encouraged, in fact, commanded to pursue his presence and to seek him continually. Well, what does that mean? If he's already there, how do we pursue him? Have you ever felt at certain moments in your walk with God where you're just like, I feel as though he's actually here, like there's a manifest presence, there's a, there's a revealed presence. Have you felt that before? What, what is that like? It's, 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 have you ever been in a situation where you're like, I just, I, I feel someone's here. I just feel, is that God? Is that you? Is that? At times, you know, God reveals or he manifests his presence to us. When was the last time you actually felt and experienced his presence? At times, he just reveals it to us. At the risk of uh, maybe being a little bit too open with you, I was having a shower this morning, and I sing in the shower. Too much information, yeah? I just, come on, don't look at me like you holy Joes. Who else sings in the shower here? Yeah, come on. We could have bad voices, but the reverb makes us think like we are great singers, right? <laughs> All of a sudden this morning, I was just singing this old song, and I... Being honest with you, I just started tearing up. I just felt the presence of the podcast here. I, I couldn't help to manufacture it. I had to lift up my hands. I, just, I didn't ask for it. I didn't feel as though I was pursuing it. But I just felt, in that moment, he just revealed his presence. And, and, and I could have just moved it, but moved it on. No, let's just get out of the shower. This is weird. No, Lord, thank you. Even in the shower, he can... It doesn't just have to be on a Sunday morning. I felt his presence in one of the songs. I experienced his presence in one of the songs. When we come together, there is a corporate anointing of his presence. Oh, I'm telling you, friends, his presence changes things. Oh, that is, as his children, we would just lean in and posture our hearts. That we wouldn't just rush along to our next meeting, our next appointment. Maybe you're in the car driving sometimes at the traffic lights and you're just tearing up. Go with it. Pull over if you got to. I tell you what, because what you get from God, you cannot get from anywhere else. His presence, there's something to it. Bible tells us in His presence is fullness of joy. When was the last time you encountered His presence? This is what John Piper says, I'll quote it, it'll be up on the screens. He 
His face, the brightness of his personal character is hidden behind the curtain of our carnal desires. This condition is always ready to overtake us. That's why we are told to seek his presence continually. God calls us to enjoy continual consciousness of his supreme greatness and beauty and worth. Oh, I love that. I'm going to read the last sentence of that quote. God calls us to enjoy continual consciousness of his supreme greatness and beauty and worth. So for us then, what hinders us from experiencing his presence? I think let's not look past our own carnality, our own fleshly sinful desires. The things that are constantly pulling at us to distract us. I get distracted a lot. It could be distraction for you. It could be an overwhelming sense of discouragement or despair, those negative feelings, and they can pull us away from an attentiveness and an appreciation for Him and His presence. This is where we can just ask the Lord, Lord, align me by your Spirit to see clearly, not just in the flesh, but in the Spirit. It's not just a heady awareness either. It's, it's got to be a head and a heart posturing together. What gets in your way? A few ways that um, point us and enable us to facilitate that awareness and appreciation of His presence. A few ways. The first one are the heavens. The Bible tells us the heavens declare the glory of the Lord, right? Heavens. Have you ever just looked up at the heavens and gone, often go for walks at night. Um, I'll take my dog sometimes and we just go out and I can't, especially on clear nights. Last night it was, it was clear in the sky but it was super windy and it was starting to get a bit cold. But as I'm walking, listening through the trees, I'm looking up going, wow, I love that Lord, you're amazing. So the heavens declare of the glory of the Lord and in that moment I become aware of his presence. Have you ever done that or looked at a sunset go down? Have you ever done that? Look, look at the rolling hills of maybe in New Zealand or around the world or you look at the oceans and you're, oh, God, you're amazing. Have you, what about the Bible? The Bible speaks of his goodness. Have you ever opened up the Bible, read a verse, read a chapter, read a book and you're like, oh my goodness, and something's hit you? You know the Bible's alive, don't you? It's alive, it's alive. It's not just any ordinary book. The Holy Spirit illuminates it to us and there is a witness that we would have. Don't just read black or red words on a book. Ask the Lord to reveal Jesus to you because you and I can read our Bible and still miss Jesus. Check out the Pharisees. They knew, they knew the Pentateuch. They knew the words of the Old Testament. They knew it, but they still missed Jesus. They missed the very thing that the Scriptures point to, the person of Christ. We can encounter him in his presence even through the word. What about, what about other people? Have you, ever, have you ever seen the grace of Jesus and the presence of Jesus through someone else? Maybe someone just greets you, someone embraces you, someone gives you a card or a gift, or someone just ministers to you. Someone might even just listen to you. And in that moment, you, 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 you have a sense of, I don't know what this is. Don't discount, that could be the presence of God ministering through that person. That's why we should never underestimate the gift that we are to other people. Because, because the Lord uses His people to minister to His people. His presence changes 
everything. And in fact, um, his presence, it marks us from time to time. I remember, remember I told you before about the one day a week fasting thing that I used to do? Um, I used to start about 20, 21 years ago. Uh, I remember it was a Monday, it was around about lunchtime, and I was just, uh, day off, usually I'd set aside the Monday to seek God and uh, wait on Him, I'd put some music on, I wouldn't eat, I'd just seek God, and I was doing that one time when I was living back with my mum in Alexander Heights. And so after a few hours of doing that in the morning, a friend of mine came over for a visit. He doesn't know what's going on on a Monday, but my mum let him in the house, knocked on, the, knocked on my bedroom door, and I just opened the door, you know, turned the music down, and as he walked in, my friend Barry, as he walked in, he walked in, he looked around, he goes, whoa, feels wicked in here. He felt something. He had nothing to do with what I was doing, but even he himself walked in and he could sense something was going on. Have you ever had that experience before? I have a, a, a friend who's, uh, I believe, not a Christian yet. He's been coming for the last two Sundays. And every time he comes into our, our Malaga uh, service, uh, he comes in and as we start to worship, he says, I get goosebumps all over. I say, that's the Lord that you're experiencing. He's not a Christian just yet. If he's, if, if he's not, he's really close. But he's experiencing the presence and it's changing him. It's marking him. He knows there's something to this Christianity thing. So let's go on to the three things that, that I felt the Lord to talk about in particular. To do with his presence. And in particular, there is, there is a call I feel that the Lord is giving to us as a church community. Very simple. To his people. A call, an invitation. The first thing I felt like the Lord say with our walk with him, the first thing is this, let it be deep. Let our relationship be deep, not superficial. Is anyone here over superficial? <laughs> is anyone here over just surface level? You're over fake, you're over phony, you're over religion, you're over... That. I wonder if sometimes the Lord feels the same way with us. Come on, children. I want something a little bit more. You're not on milk anymore. You're now on me. Come on, let's grow together. Have you got those friendships sometimes and you just want to go deeper with them? I believe the Lord calls us and He's saying, I want you to be deep with me, not shallow. Come on, let's know each other. Let's walk together. Let's work through some things. And in the process, it's often pain and tribulation that stimulates that depth. Amen or ouch? Think about it. Adam and Eve um, in the garden had a great relationship with God. In fact, we, we know that the Lord walked with Adam in the cool of the evening. But what happened? Well, sin came into the world and it perverted and corrupted our walk with Him. Enter Christ Jesus, the second Adam, the perfect Adam, who overcame sin and Satan and hell and death through the cross and has removed the veil for us all to have unfettered, unhindered access to God and His presence. 
That means that no one in this room, if you're in Christ, no one in this room has a greater advantage or a shortcut to the throne room of grace. We all have the same access. It's just a matter of stepping over that threshold and accepting and saying thank you. That's what that is. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian, been saved for one day, or if you're a Christian, you've been saved for 50 years. It doesn't matter if you're male or female, rich or poor. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a leader, if you're not a follower. It doesn't matter. We all have the same amount of access to His presence. The difference may just be an awareness, an attentiveness, and an appreciation of that presence, which is why we've got to be able to not just facilitate, but steward a presence, that presence with God. When he, when he reveals himself, how are we going to steward and take care of that relationship? How we nurture that? Will we walk away, turn our back from it and say, oh, I'm sorry, I've got, I've got something else to do now, Lord. Or will we, will we spend some time there? Will we talk with him about it? Will we allow that depth to grow? Check out what it says in uh, Psalm 42, verse... I'll read verse the whole verse 1 to 7, okay? Psalm 42, verse 1 to 7. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so, my, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise. A multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep. At the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. The Lord wants something a little bit more than just superficial. Are you superficial with Him? I know I've been. At times I've been surface level. Perhaps it's been fear that's hindered me. Perhaps it's been a sense of shame or guilt. Perhaps it's been pain that's stopped me. The beauty of it is, is God graces you, He empowers you to go a little bit further with Him. See what it says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, it says, It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. Your version might say, fervently seek Him. Your version might say, diligently seek Him. Your version might say, continually seek Him. Takes us to my next point. I felt like the Lord say, let it be deep, not superficial. But let it be continual. Let it be continual and not intermittent. That is, let's not just, let's not just go to Him when we want something or when we need something. To often go to Him. I've got three young daughters and I can smell a mile away when they want something. 
Any parents, you're picking up what I'm putting down right there. I can smell them a mile away. They come up to me and they say, they say, Dad, in a certain way. And I know straight away, when they say Dad, with that lilt, with that tone, I know what's coming. And they know that I know what's coming. So what they try and do is they try and fluff it up after they say Dad, and they'll talk about, oh, just, what are you, but I'm on to them, see, I know. There's an agenda there. If, 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 if they want to really butter me up, they'll come, they'll sit next to me. They might just snuggle up to me a little bit. They might even hold my hand. And when I'm, when I'm really feeling gullible and highly impressionable, they'll start to press my shoulders because I like a good shoulder rub. Dad. All right, here we go. What is it? I wonder if the Lord feels like that at times when we want something we'll put a little bit more in the offering we'll sing a little bit louder we'll raise the hands a little bit higher i wonder if at times the lord's like come on just just be with me because because maturity is about coming to him on an ongoing basis because we want to now does the lord still want us to Will he still take that with the agenda? Yeah, of course he will. As a father, as, as, as dads, we'll still take the hidden agenda, won't we? We'll still take them coming to us because it means they're coming to us. But there's something a little bit richer than that, that without any agenda, we can enjoy his presence. At any time, we can keep coming to him. Let's check out in Luke chapter 5 and verse 16. This is Jesus, right? Um, uh, before I quote it, you know, the background here is Jesus just held... Uh, Jesus just healed a leper and rumors going around about this Jesus guy healing people it's incredible and people it says are thronging to him but it says in Luke 5 16 have we got that up there please it says but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness or the lonely places or the desolate places for prayer it doesn't say he sometimes did it he often did it this was part of Jesus' rhythm with his father. He would often, even in the midst of the pull of ministry. Can I say to you, friends, one of the dangers we have is that our time will always be pulled upon. Parents, your time will be pulled upon. When you're at work, your boss will pull that time on you. Your time is so precious. In ministry, people are constantly pulling on you. But Jesus himself, it says, in the midst of that, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Why? Because that was the most important thing. And if it was important enough for Jesus, it's important enough for me. Jesus just wanted to enjoy time with his Father. He wanted to minister to his Father, and so he did. 1 Chronicles 16.11 says this, Seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually let's go back to psalm 105 verse 4 in the new living translation it says search for the lord and for his strength continually seek him continually seek him how's your walk with christ is it um is it one of those uh, one of those sunday only relationships is it a weekend only perhaps Maybe it's two days or three days. I wonder if the Lord is calling us all for something a little bit 
deeper and more continual, a little bit more um, eternal. And as we pursue Him continually, it doesn't just mark us, again, it marks other people. You know other people can tell when we've been with Jesus? Remember in Acts, there were, I think it's about Acts chapter 16, they noticed these fishermen, they're uneducated men, but we can tell they've been with Jesus. Last year, my, um, when my, do- my daughter Hope was six, I was staying over a, a relative's house and I went and sat, uh, it was around about the morning time, early morning time I think, I went and I was sitting down and just spending some time with the Lord. Now Hope comes into the room, as a six-year-old does, she doesn't really care about anything and so she just then comes up, looks at me and she comes and she sits right next to me and she goes, I know what you were doing, Dad. I said, what is it, darling? She goes, you were praying. Now my eyes weren't closed, so, right? But I said, oh yeah, how do you know that? And she goes, because you've got that smile on your face. I thought, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know I had a smile when I was spent time with the Lord. But it took my six-year-old to tell me when I spend time with the Lord, particularly in the morning, it marks me, it changes me. Which I just thought in that moment, I thought, gee, it's, I'm glad my face didn't look like I was sucking on lemons in that moment. Sometimes as Christians, when we pray, oh, Lord, I need you to break through. Oh, Lord, I love you so much. All right? What would my six-year-old have thought? Oh, gee, he's got a great walk with God. <laughs> In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 15, uh, we can see Paul writes to the Christians there, the church at Corinth. In this letter, he says that we are the fragrance of Christ. We are the fragrance of Christ. We're the fragrance of Christ. We're the fragrance of Christ. When you spend time with Him, we start to smell like Him. Have you ever given someone a hug and they're wearing a cologne or a perfume and then you end up wearing it as well? When you hug them, or you walk away and go, I smell like that that person. I smell like that guy. The same thing can happen though in reverse. If someone's got a bad body odour, and you give them a hug, you can end up smelling quite the same. So for all of us then, my question is, who do you smell like? Can people tell that we smell like Jesus? That we've been with Jesus? And if you're you're struggling at times and you stinketh, the question is, who have you been hanging out with? Also tells in Corinthians that bad company corrupts good character. If you want a good picture of your future, look at the people you're spending time with today. That'll give you an idea. So, the call for us is to have a continual ongoing relationship with God that marks us. And the final point though is to let it be transformational. Let it be deep, let it be continual, but let it be transformational not impotent. The Lord wants our walk with Him to mark us so much that His very presence is not impotent, meaning it does not lack the power that comes with His presence.
When I'm with Jesus, I want to let him affect me and change me. It's going to change me. I remember when I was 20 years old, I was praying with two friends and um, previous pastor, Phil Stevenson. I was praying with Damie and his other name was John. And we went to Swanbourne Beach and uh, it was late morning. we just finished a camping trip and we just wanted to see God together. Okay. And I remember we went to Swanbourne Beach just on a mound there and we started praying and then it just started to drizzle and started... And it was starting to get cold and windy. But we were just set. We just want to seek God. I just, and I said, Lord, I, I want an encounter with you. I don't just want to read about you in a book. I want to encounter you, Lord. And so I remember being on my knees. And as I was on my knees and I started praying, after about probably 20 or 30 minutes, I was just praying in the Spirit and just praying. It was nothing up until that point. All of a sudden, I started sobbing. Tears were rolling down my face. And I hadn't had an encounter like this before. I just started sobbing uncontrollably. And I started snotting as well. I was snotting. And it started to drizzle a little bit. And I didn't know what to do. I just thought, well, this is, this is new. This is different. But I felt that God was there in that moment. He, he had manifested his presence to me. And I thought, what's going on? And I felt my tummy muscles were contracting a little bit. It was so bizarre. I felt, oh, oh. And I was praying. It didn't hurt. It didn't feel bad, but it was, it was strangely warm and good. And so I just kept going with it. I just kept waiting. I said, I don't know what this is. In that moment, though, I started to pray for nations. I remember I'd pray for India. I'd pray for Japan. I don't care about those nations prior to that point. I was being transformed on the inside out, and I was led to repent of things. I don't even know I'd never thought to repent of before. See, that's what the presence of God can do. It can change us so much to something that goes well beyond beyond our own rationale, our own understanding, because we must remember that we serve a supernatural God. He's not limited by our own confines. He's humongous. He's infinite. He's eternal. And somehow I get to have a relationship with Him. I can tell you from from that day on, I I was changed. His presence changes everything. In Moses, uh, in Exodus chapter 34, Moses has this encounter with God. Do you remember that? And the burning bush. What happened to Moses after he had that encounter? Who remembers what happened to Moses' face? It shone, didn't it? It was glowing. After he had an encounter with the presence of God, he changed. Here's another example. What about Jesus himself? Turn to Matthew chapter 17 if you can. Matthew chapter 17. We're going to see even Jesus himself. Just read verse 2 actually. Can we just read verse 2? So Jesus is there with his three homies, Peter, James and John. And it says there, and Jesus was transfigured before them. So he's ministering to his father in this moment. He's transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light that's Jesus in his presence we're transformed do not be desensitized by his presence do not be immune 
Do not allow it to be ineffective. Let it change you. Because in His presence, sometimes it's not just a sense of joy. Sometimes it's a loving rebuke. Sometimes it could be a sense of love and grace and sometimes that. Sometimes we can actually sense His righteous indignation or righteous anger as well. Do you know also His presence sometimes can really shake us to the core and make us feel really little? Check out Isaiah chapter 6. Can we go Isaiah chapter 6 please? And let's go to... Uh, let's go verse 5 and 6. So, Isaiah is taken in a vision and he sees God. He's in the presence of God. And check this out. Verse 5 says, this is, this is his response to the presence. Woe is me, for I am lost I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with his tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Think about that for a second. In the very presence Isaiah is taken... And his response is not, oh, I feel so warm and tingly. Isaiah's response is, oh my goodness, my sin. Woe is me. Why? Because God is holy. And I wonder if at times we become too flippant with his presence. Too dismissive, too immune by his presence. How about Acts 5? Can I have, uh, Kyle, can you come up? We're going to finish in just a second. In Acts chapter 5, we have this story of Ananias and Sapphira, a true story, a true recount. Do you remember when God was doing all these amazing things? And who remembers what Ananias and Sapphira did? What was their crime? They lied. They lied in the very presence of God. In the, when the Holy Spirit was doing amazing things, they lied. In fact, Peter says, you have lied not just to man, but to God. And what happened to them both? They died. They died for lying in the presence of God. Lying to the Holy Spirit. Admittedly, it was a certain point in history. I mean, I'm so glad that I don't drop dead when I lie in the presence of God. That's just the grace of God that keeps us. But that should give us, that should give us a picture of how precious the presence of God is and how humbly and gratefully we walk in His presence. Because let me tell you, friends, it's in His presence that the miraculous takes place. It's in His presence. Perhaps you've come here today and you've got a physical ailment. Perhaps you've got a, an emotional heartache. Perhaps you need financial breakthrough. Maybe it's an addiction you've been wrestling with. Alcohol, cigarettes, drugs, beyond that. Maybe it's pornographic. Maybe you've got issues with sin that you've been wrestling with for so long. Can I tell you, friends, in His presence, the miraculous is often birthed. I've got a friend and he got prayed for at one point. He fell down under the power of God and he was a chain-smoking man. He hasn't touched a cigarette since that moment in decades. I've got another friend who's 
who, who was an alcoholic, who in the presence of God has not been addicted to the drink since that moment. In his presence, we are changed. In his very presence. As a church community, I, I want to submit to us, may we have a walk with Christ that is deep, that is continual, and that is transformational. And may we seek him to change us, not just through reading some commentary on the internet, someone's blog spot, but in his presence. You don't need Jesus through me. You need Jesus with you. You've got direct access. You know that, don't you? You know that. We've all got the Holy Spirit exactly the same. So may we just posture our hearts and lean in on him. Let's stand up to our feet together, please. I've asked Kyle to just to minister in a song. And this is what I want us to consider. We understand, and, and you've, you've heard me say that his, changes, his, his presence changes everything. But my question is, will we let his presence change me? Will you let his presence change you? Will you let his presence heal you? Will you let his presence restore you? Will you let his presence bring about the miracle, the breakthrough that you've been asking for, waiting for? Don't lose hope. Let him do it. Let him do it. Would you raise your hands, please, as we pray? We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.